Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. I hope uh, that this has given you some time to just kind of sit back and read and kind of catch up on all the magazines and all the podcasts because uh, there's no shortage of downtime these days. I, so I hope you're all making the best of it in one way or another. I am very lucky today to have a repeat guest. He's one of my one of my very favorites to chat with. We uh, we have lots to talk about. We are so similar and so different in so many ways. Uh, his name is Seth Robinson. He is a principal lighting designer with Sightline Design Group out of Nashville. Thank you so much for making the time to chat with me again, Seth. I always appreciate you making the time. No, thanks, Chris. I I enjoy this very much. Thanks. So what I wanted to talk about today is it really struck me the other day that I have a deficiency of best friends. And I didn't realize until maybe April or May that like all of my human interaction and all of my friends are my coworkers. Uh, I live in a very small town in Win- outside Windsor, Ontario, a little town called Stony Point. And when we're working, I don't have enough time to even hang out with my my wife and kids as much as I would want to, let alone create a new friendship uh, after you know being 40 years old and trying to make new friends as a 40-year-old is, is rather difficult. So I've always relied on our industry because there's so many people in our industry that are like-minded. We all share similar passions. I mean, we all have different opinions and stuff, but we're all focused on the same goals. And I didn't realize until recently how much it affects my life when I'm not working. Mm. Uh, I was hoping that you could kind of commiserate with me for a while on that on that topic. I would really yeah. appreciate uh, some, yeah, some some company in my misery. No, certainly. Um, man, that's, I think it's pretty universal for, for folks who, who work away from home. You know, we, we spend a lot of time, intense time one-on-one with, with other people with very similar interests, usually, uh, in our industry, um, very similar sort of life paths. And so, so it makes it easy to become fast friends with, with, you know, the, the crew du jour, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a, there's a comfort in that in, in understanding our, our role, our social roles. Uh, and then when we come back home to our community, like our social role is different. We're not the sound guy, the audio guy, the video guy or whatever, or, or girl or, or, or whatever. You, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and 
and then we come home, then and suddenly we're we're mom or we're dad or we're son or or daughter or child. Or it everything changes, and and this is this is not to minimize um, the experience of those in the military, but I do think that there is a a, a similarity. Uh, between at, at least in in this aspect between the military mm-hmm. life and and the uh, let's say the concert industry just for for shorthand yeah uh, and we we all know like this this career uh, kills marriages it destroys relationships if if you go into a relationship and you're not doing this and then you go and do this like the relationship's not going to survive, and sometimes it won't anyway. So, um, yeah, that that we, we find ourselves out of place in in the one place that we're supposed to belong the most. You know, That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, but I I think that especially right now we've all been thrust into this situation almost simultaneously, which is just it's extraordinary. It's terrible, but it's extraordinary. It is, and. And so many people are thinking about things that I've been thinking about for a long time because I kind of, this was catalyzed for me a couple of years back um, when I had a, a, a gaffer that I worked with, a, a dear friend uh, in the UK who was our, our gaffer on the Apple Music Festival for seven years. And ultimately he took over as the, the, um, the key light lighting programmer and the, the architectural light lighting programmer which was my original role on that show before I moved up to lighting director. Uh, and he kind of took over my role and I trained him how to do it the way I did it. And then we, we basically spent, you know, on those 15 hour days and we were spending eight or nine hours just sitting next to each other every day. And then when we were done with work, we'd call each other and complain about the day together because, <laughs> you know, who else can you talk to about that stuff? Uh, and so I would talk to him obviously more, than I would with my wife who I tried to talk to once a day, but by the time you get to the sixth week, it's usually once every couple of days. I mean, it, you know, you, you hit a, a pattern there. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years back, maybe two and a half years back, uh, he got a brain tumor and he died very almost suddenly. I mean, it was within three months and he was gone. Um, his name was Alan Boyd. And, and like I said, he was a dear friend of mine. And, and a lot of the folks who, who may be listening right now may have encountered him on our shows there because I know a lot of, a lot of people in our industry came through that show. Uh, and it was a pretty extraordinary time. But I did not know until the moment he died and I didn't understand why it was troubling me so much. Like I went into a deep, deep state of depression. I had trouble with a lot of things at that time. And, and I didn't know until that moment that he was one of my best friends, like this person that I spent six weeks with a year and really didn't have any contact with outside of that was one of my best friends in the entire world. And it came as quite a shock. It sneaks Uh, up on you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that, you know, that, that really forced me to, to, to step back and start to, to assess where, where my, where I'm spending my life, where I'm spending my, my love, if you will. And not too long after that, unfortunately, my wife had a brain tumor. She's okay. And uh, we went through, uh, this was last year, we went through basically an entire year of, of just brain tumor. 
uh, and ultimately uh, brain surgery and then um, uh, the, the radiation, the six weeks of radiation, all those things. And we're only just now starting to feel like we're back to where we were when she had the seizure and we found out that she had a brain tumor. And here we are. We're, uh, so, so as part of that, we kind of contracted socially, completely socially, just pulled into our, our nuclear family, kept it as tight as we could because, you know, we we're dealing with a lot and, and we needed to, to, to spend time with each other and with our kids and focus on healing and, and, and all of the things that come along with, with a diagnosis like that. Uh-huh. And so we, we pretty much self-isolated for, for that entire year. We, we didn't go out and do things. We camped a few times, but, but for the most part, we were here at the house. And, and, and then right about the time that we were thinking, whoa, it's the spring. We are going to get out and we're going to do stuff. This is going to be amazing. We got our lives back and bam, uh, coronavirus. So I kind of had wow. a year, if not two years of preparation for the very thing we're talking about right now, which is, you know, this isolation, this removal from our social structure and, um, and from our, our, our source of income and in a lot of cases, our source of worth. And, and uh, it can be really, really unsettling, obviously. And the only thing I can say about it is it just sucks. It like, fucking sucks. It just sucks. And, it does. and, you know, at some point we recognize that it sucks and look for things that don't suck to focus on. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's kind of it. Uh, if that's the, not the height of Buddhism right there, I don't know. What it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Life fucking sucks. It's Try and find true. things that suck yeah. less, I guess. Yeah. That's... Yes, exactly. Life is suffering. Um, yeah. It, it, it is the, the, you know, the long, slow walk toward the end of life. Like we were literally dying as we live and yeah. uh, the best we can do, the very best we can do is, is appreciate what we have and, and try to walk the path and be, be, you know, make the best influence on the world that we can. So you were, you were thrust into the fact that like any day could be your last thing with, with Alan. And then next thing your wife, you just like, Hey, look, this, we either have three months or a lifetime. Yep. Yep. And you had to make those, you had to make every single waking moment based on that reality. That's right. Yeah. It changed everything. Wow. And at the same time, my, my career was changing because they, they weren't doing the festival anymore. So once right. Alan was gone, there was no more festivals. So it's almost like I, lo- you know, I lost both of those things. And I, I got more joy out of doing that show uh, simply because of the, that constant fight to, to get the very, very best creative output that we could every single day in spite of all of the crazy circumstances. Um, that was really like self-assuring. It, it made me feel like the real deal, you know, and we all have a certain amount of imposter syndrome, but, but when you do something like that for long enough you go, okay, yeah, I can't even question my own competency in this anymore. Like the facts are there. It's obvious. Uh, but when that goes away and you don't have that touchstone anymore, whoo, it is hard. It's hard to to keep that self image. Uh, there are people who don't have trouble with that. 
obviously, mm-hmm. but I think for a lot of us, especially as, as people who ride that knife edge between creativity and technical acumen, um, you know, I think for whatever reason, we oftentimes are, are pretty, um, uh, what's the word, neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to the, the Allen for a little bit. Yeah, yeah of course. Because it, it, it kind of goes back to like how you don't even realize that it's happening. You just, you're sitting next to somebody someday. You've been introduced at a, at a gathering, at a meeting. And one day you guys are just like, well, what's your email? I'll email you some stuff. Next day you're sitting next to each other, bullshitting about work. And then it progresses to life. And then it progresses to different ideas that you have. And then after six months, you just, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, you're, you're my best friend and this gig's almost over and I'm not going to see you again. And I'm too much of a realist to like, you know, Hey, let's have a hug or anything like that. But I'm also old enough to say like, yeah, I just, we need to recognize that we're like besties all of a sudden. And now I'm going to call you outside of work as a, as a friend, you know, and yep. a lot of people just don't realize how quickly that, that becomes your, your only sense of companion and camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah. I love my wife to death, but there are things that I can't do <laughs> or say around my wife because, you know, it's just not quite, it's not the same. You know? If my wife hears me talk about the 3D printer one more time, she's going to throw <laughs> it out the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need people who have the same kind of passions you know, not everybody's going to be perfectly aligned. So you got, you, you need a variety of people around you to, to be able to experience all of that. Uh, sure. And my wife is great. She'll totally uh, humor me. She'll be like, yeah, I, I agree. Chris Mac, Mac 2k washes are so outdated. And you're like, ah, oh, you're just, <laughs> you're just humoring me. Thank you. And I love you. But uh, you know, it's, it's just, there's gear talk that we were lacking. There's, Yep. There's a creative problem solving that we're missing and it's a whole new set of things at home that are, and it's, we've kind of been thrust into the situation, uh, you to a much higher degree of just day after day after day of, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say the grind. I mean, it's, it's magical and it's wonderful, but it's, it's, it, it's out of balance for what we're accustomed to. Totally. Um, I mean, no, no amount of, the irrigation system in the vegetable garden isn't isn't functioning properly is going to replace, you know, <laughs> everything is falling apart and the show starts in five minutes. Like there's a big difference <laughs> in those problem solving scenarios. And, uh, and one of them gives me a, a, I mean, they both give me a certain amount of, of satisfaction, obviously, <laughs> but one of them has a great, a much, much larger payoff. Oh, yes. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there was something in in that you were talking about, um, you know, sort of suddenly being surprised that that you're best friends with somebody or or that you're close friends with somebody because it's I I the term best friends is fluid I think yeah um, you know it, it it implies exclusivity but I think at the end of the day you know it's it's fluid like I'm best friends with different people throughout the week yeah you know somebody who's who's more more 
what I need at the time. And if you, if you think about it as a transactional uh, thing, uh -huh. which it shouldn't be, obviously. Um, but it changes and, and those people come and go and, and it reminded me, you, you reminded me of, of one of my early tours uh, back in 2001. I was one of many, many different people uh, who came through the Maxwell tour back then. And he did uh, uh, music that I will never forget, by the way. I, I still listen to uh, Maxwell's early work. It's, it's brilliant. Um, but I had really gotten along with the Pro Tools guy out there. And we didn't hang out really or anything like that, but we just, we just connected on a level where we didn't even have to speak. I just knew that he and I were on the same page uh, most of the time. And I ended up leaving the tour. I was only the second person to actually leave the tour voluntarily. Actually, <laughs> everybody else had been fired. It, were like, it was like the 19th person to leave or something. And I was only the second to quit. Uh, it was the only job I ever quit, by the way. Um, and when I left, I just, I looked at him and was like, there is so much I want to say to this guy because I am going to miss him. Even though we don't, we don't talk a lot, but I'm going to miss being around him. I'm going to miss his vibe. Yeah. Uh, and it really, it was just like, we kind of looked at each other and we both just kind of said, yeah. <laughs> and that was it. That's the last time I spoke to him in person. We're friends on, on Facebook now. So I do, you know, I see him track his life, but yeah, it was just one of those like, yeah. Moments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's something and, and I'm, you know, the, 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 um, the trappings of masculinity prevent me from saying much more. Yeah. <laughs> <in> this situation. <laughs> uh, I've, I, my dad used, my dad was the same. Uh, whenever I would leave on a trip, my dad would say, remember to check your oil. And to me, that meant, I love you. Take care of yourself. Yeah. But he was, the yeah. words were just, they make sure you check your oil kid. But yeah. <laughs> the underlying tone was, it's I love euphemism. you. Take care of yourself. The, the restrictions of, of masculinity prevent me from hugging mm -hmm. you for a full minute. So check your oil. Yeah. And, and there's also the, that sort of underlying, you know, this message I'm trying to give you as a father is, you know, maintenance yeah. is important in all things in life. Yeah. It, oh. uh, we're saying the same things and we, uh, we, we yeah. understand it as, as men in that situation. Mm -hmm. I would imagine any, anybody outside of going like, yeah, of course he's going to check his oil. What, <laughs> you know, it's who cold. checks their oil anymore? There's a little light now. You know? yeah. Right. Right. But it's not about checking your oil. Is it? it it's really, mm -hmm. it's a much uh, deeper underlying there. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited somewhat by the, our, our cultural changes that are coming. Um, I'm involved in some, some charity projects. Uh, one of which I think I may have talked about before live from nowhere, live from nowhere. Yes. Um, with a bunch of great people. And, and one of the things that happened, um, that came out of that is, uh, sooner who's, who's been a part of it, uh, since the beginning, a big part of it. Uh, when the, the protests were, were really getting ramped up. Uh, we got on a call and she said, look, I, I just don't feel like I can do, I can do this right now. Like, I feel like we need to take a week or so and just reflect and try to figure out if we're pointed in the right direction. Basically, is there something we can be doing to address this? We're all aware that there's 
a problem. Mm-hmm. And what we landed on was this idea, and, and stop me if I'm repeating myself, because I, I, I say this a lot, um, this idea that our, our industry has basically burned to the ground. Yeah. Like everything that was there is gone. The house of cards has fallen. And we now have an opportunity to build it back better. And what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of things we can do better. But the thing I'm focused on and the thing we're focused on as a group right now is looking at access to the industry from for people who are of a socioeconomic status who would not otherwise or might not otherwise even know that these kinds of jobs are available, which they aren't right now. Yeah. But they're going to be. They will eventually. be. And so looking at this timeline of, okay, how long does it really take our industry to recover? And I'm, I'm not going to try to predict it, but let's just pretend for a second that it takes two years, which it could take more. It could yeah. take less. But let's pretend that this is a two-year timeline from, you know, from basically right now till, okay, we're starting to see some growth again and things are picking up and people are, you know, busy. Uh, and it really could be longer. But um, there's going to be a lot of people who either age out and choose retirement or move on to other things. I think a lot of people are going to end up moving on to other things. And, and when things start to pick up again, there's going to be a need because you have all of these people coming into the industry who don't have an opportunity to get experience and be a whole group of young people who have not had any experience because there is no experience to be had. Right. So this is an opportunity to, 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 to out, to reach out to, to folks and, and, and uh, inform them um, and give them material and and videos and so so on and so forth to show them what they could be doing. Uh, The second step is to to provide training. And and we're trying to bring together a bunch of groups around the country who are already doing this sort of thing and work toward a common goal of of providing um, uh, free or affordable training to uh, people in order to get into the industry. And then finally, uh, job placement which I think is huge because networking is, is impossibly hard in this industry if you're not already in it. Right. Uh, and, and so we're looking at some strategies on ways to, to get people in quickly and without a lot of hassle for, for them or for the people who might be hiring them. So all that is to say that, that um, when I came home on March 14th from my last gig, this is what, this is the result of that. Like that's like four, the result of like four months of, of just flailing, looking for some way to be some way to, to make a difference or to, to do something. What, what can we do? What can we, you know? So back to our, you know, our original topic of, of who are we now, now that we're home? Um, I found my thing and, and, and it's extremely tiring. I'll it tell you is. that. Yeah. Um, and and it's it has been a long road, and there's been a lot of missteps and a lot of failures along the way, a lot of success as well. Uh, but it's given me a purpose, and it's given me something to troubleshoot. Uh, that that feels good. And so, to 
I'd like to avoid giving advice like, you know, you should do this or you should do that. And here's, here's what I think. Uh-huh. But I would say that my advice is to, is to take, take a step back and, and decide like, if I, if I had to decide what my moral code is, like what is important to me at the end of my life? What are the things that I want to feel good about at the end? Here's my opportunity to figure out what, what I can do for the rest of my life toward that end. Um, and we've been, it's been forced on us. And I think a lot of us are probably going to spend so much time struggling against this situation that we won't have the opportunity to do that. But I think a lot of people may get the opportunity and have the time to, to self-reflect and, 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 and find, find new peace, I guess. Yeah. I, I can't think of a better way to spend the downtime. Yeah. That's uh yeah. For, for not giving advice, that's, that's pretty good advice. But also, it sucks. It does. <laughs> it just sucks. It, it really sucks. Uh, it's especially for guys like us who we're accustomed to working 18-hour days on a, on a single purpose. And without, without that end goal that's you know, three weeks out we've got 20 hours a day that are just, we're not, we could just be flailing, but I, I think our, our brains force us to find something to spend on that in order to stay focused. And well, you have this, this underlying anxiety, um, or at least, you know, anxiety is something I've always, always had to, to manage sometimes successfully and sometimes not. But, uh, if, if I'm in a situation, this happened before, uh, you know, without industry tragedy, uh, maybe that may be too strong a word, but where I'm sitting at home going, I do not have a next paycheck right now. Yeah. Right? Like I don't have a gig on the books for any time in the near future. Or if I do, it's too far out to count on that money. And I, you know, I can sort of in my head, I can do the math and go, I got to do something or else it's going to start to hurt. And that underlying anxiety of, I don't know when my next, next paycheck is coming, like that can affect a lot of things. And that, and that really drives me down. And until I get another gig on the books, like I'm just going to be miserable. Uh, And I think that entering into this back in March, like that was the first thing that happened to me. I'm like, Oh no when's the next money going to come? How am I going to survive this without you know, losing, you know, spending my entire retirement, selling my house, going and moving in with my parents. And I'm, I mean, I'm lucky to have those options, but those are things that, you know, you're, the brain does that. Like I may not be in terrible financial shape right now. I may actually be sitting pretty well, which is really lucky uh, for me. And, and, and just by happenstance, but, that goes away really quickly and really easily. Uh, and, yeah. and so that anxiety is always there. Um, and what I've had to do, because I haven't been able to make it go away, is back to the Buddhist thing. I just have to observe it, yeah. name it, recognize that it's there, recognize there is literally nothing I can do to satisfy it. Yep. And just learn to live with the feeling and eventually 
like most chronic pain, you learn to live with it. And, and it does affect the way you live your life, but at the very least, you, you, you get to live your life. Yeah. Maybe and that's a bit cynical, but sometimes I don't know. I don't know how away. to sugarcoat that. I, yes, yeah. it is cynical. And it, it's, I don't say, I can't say why that's not honest. No. It, it fucking sucks. Everything yeah. that's happening right now sucks. Uh, uh, as soon as we thought that the Australian fires was the suckiest thing that could happen, we were wrong. <laughs> we thought yeah. COVID was the worst thing was, that could happen. And then George Floyd thing. And then uh, yeah, everything sucks. It, yep. it fucking sucks. And yep. the best we can do is try and find things that suck less and reach out to the people that we know and smile at them and say, man, this sucks, doesn't it? I'm glad we're together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. while this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't, I, I wouldn't put it to you or I to sugarcoat this in any way and try and put a little rosy red ribbon on it. It, mm-hmm. it sucks and we have to stay strong and we have to find people to help us stay strong. Uh, yep. I've never been a huge fan of the term social distance because I don't think we should be social. I think we should be physically distanced. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that has the same ring to it, but <laughs> sure, we should all maintain six feet apart, but we should still virtually hug and yeah, exactly. Each other exactly. and support each other, and we should definitely have each other's back from six feet away with our masks on and and sterilized right. hands. But you know, still got each other's back, right? Right. Uh, I I wonder what if this is what life is. Ooh, that's that's deep, right? What if we 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 think winning and losing and and the the acquisition of resources and and you know standing at the top of the the ladder and all these things we think that these are are this is the american dream this is our great our great goal as a society is to win and have the most but that implies that somebody has less yeah um and and i don't want to get into like dangerous political philosophy here and whatever, <laughs> because I know where that leads and I understand there's a lot of things that just aren't practical. Um, yeah. Because I think a lot, you know, if a major part of the society thinks that that's right, then that's the way it's going to be. So, but, but, but what if having stripped away all the trappings of our professional identities, what if, what if this is forcing us all to just accept that, that, our lives are actually something else and, and what an opportunity and God, you know, I, I, I couldn't sit here and say this to somebody who's about to lose their house because I think that that's, you know, that this just sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Right. Um, uh, when you're faced with the realities of basic survival, but if you're not facing the reality of basic survival, or if you are and you're you're there with your family, you start to realize the the allure of the stories of the little house on the prairie, um, from you know back in the day. It's like this yeah. this pioneer survival spirit. Like in, in spite of all of the things that happened, the bad weather, the crooks, the all of the the various storylines from that, that show the, the underlying theme is this, this, the power of the connection to your family and, and honor, um, honorable behavior and um, ethics uh, in your dealings with society as, as being the, 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 
the core of of what life should be about. Um, and I wonder if these conversations always become more common when people are faced with this kind of crisis. Uh, I'm sure that they do. And so it, at once I'm like a product of the situation and I'm changing my mind, you know, to fit the situation, but also the situation is perhaps pointing out to me that I wasn't pointed in the right direction in the first place. Wow. Yeah. What if, what if this is the time to just focus on, Hey, maybe you're not supposed to be a 80% lighting designer and 20% father. Maybe you're supposed to be 80% father and 20% lighting director, designer, creative. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Who's maybe, to say? maybe 30% father and like 50% drone pilot and like, <laughs> and 20% yeah. lighting designer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um maybe we, that 10% yeah. of drone pilot was uh, maybe you're supposed to be 30% drone pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, only, you know, we'll find out as time, you know, as time reveals. Um Yeah. Uh I can't say that I'm not fully aware of lots of conversations like that going on at home. Uh I've talked to mm. quite a few people right now and they're at home. And they've spent half the year away from their spouse, and now they're up in their up in their spaces twenty four seven. And I know firsthand there's a lot of conversations going on. Like, hey, so this is the way we load the dishwasher, and <laughs> you might not have been here for a while, but when you're gone, the fork tips go down, and if you put the fork tips up again, I'm gonna scream bloody murder. <laughs> Until you do forks the way I want you to. And that's just one example of the many conversations that are going on at homes these days where yeah. like, hey, so there, we have a system when you're gone. And now that you're home, you're unconsciously really fucking up the system. Right. So if you could just stop doing that, we can cohabitate better. You know, we had a way of dealing with that on the road. Yeah, <laughs> I remember we had this, we had this, uh, was he a carpenter? I guess he was a carpenter who would always leave his truss bolts and tools on the stage after he got his truss out. Like he never picked up his bolts and, and, or he never checked, you know, he'd okay. ask the stage hands to do it. He wouldn't check for him. By the end of the tour, he had like an entire ammo can worth of bolts and tools under his mattress in his, in his bunk. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, man, these beds are so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> See that same, that, that makes perfect sense. That's how you solve things. Yeah. It doesn't go over quite as well at my house. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I started putting forks under my wife's pillow and it did not. She did not respond the same way. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And, uh, and, and vice versa. If I, if you were to offer, uh, to buy flowers for your rigor to get him to stop, stop doing that, I don't think it would go over the same. So <laughs> like, Hey, if I buy you flowers again, will you stop leaving? It's a completely different message. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. It's the, the tactics that we use on, on one side of our job does just doesn't work. No, I, I definitely can't boss my kids around the same way I do stagehands. I can't, 
I can't bribe them with uh, with break times or or with uh, you know with money. They they just they don't respond the same. So. You know, there's an interesting one too because, um, yes, for for stagehands it's hard. I mean, when you're when you're working with stagehands, you need to provide a coherent, clear, like straightforward, constant instruction. Yeah, like. I am I am the instruction manual audible version and yep. you guys are going to listen and respond. And and it does work. Like I use it at home with my kids when we're doing a project. Right? And I think I think when you develop the skill to to drive a crew like that that can translate, but it's not you don't get to be, you know, the crew chief all the time at home. Right. Like you no. have to be a, you have to work as a, as an equal member of the crew. Um when you're at home and, and, but we still have roles within that. True. And this is something that my wife and I sometimes struggle with because, uh, I, I take on a lot of the traditionally, you know, female roles in the, in the marriage because we're not traditional people. We, we tend to look at things through a lens of, of human and human, not, you know, okay, here's what you do. And here's what I do because somebody else told me that. Yeah, it's the here's what you do. Yes, she unloads dishwasher in the morning, and I loaded at night. And the reason is not that she should unload the dishwasher because of she who is who she is. The reason is because she's the first one up, right? And the reason I loaded at night is because I'm the last one down, and and it just makes sense. And those little things that might, you know, it used to be just be oh that's your responsibility because, um, it doesn't work in the household no, it and, definitely and, doesn't work yeah. at my house yeah yeah and and it's not like we have a scope of work uh that you know oh no no the contract says in fact that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah homie don't play that as no. they say oh that was probably off color i apologize um <laughs> it's not um but you're safe there yeah <laughs> well if i'm not somebody let me know okay um yeah, yeah, but I I hear you. I the the uh the same techniques do not do not apply and and we have to we have to check our ego at the door as we walk in off the Yeah. Road, it's sure. tough. You have to completely take one hat off and put the other hat on. Mm-hmm. And if you try the tactics that work at home on the road, you it's not going to work and vice versa. If you try the tactics that work on the road at home, you have to adapt them because yeah. they're if you keep trying to force a, a, a technique that doesn't work. You're just gonna, you're gonna beat yourself into the ground. Yeah. There's, um, this, this, this might be getting too far into the weeds, but, uh, I do think a lot of, a lot of the people, a lot of the most effective people I've worked with on the road, and those are the, the long-term roadies. Um, a lot of the time they're doing that because they can't or don't want to have to face the kind of um, uncomfortable self-awareness that comes from being in a situation where they don't have complete control. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, that's why we see so much substance abuse and yep. and other kinds of of um, uh, feelings avoidance, if you will. Uh, I'm I'm guilty of that myself. 
Oh yeah, so, I mean, same here. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I I need to like ignore sometimes. I need to ignore <laughs> the the my weaknesses in order to to be able to function sometimes. Um, and so I I do see it and I understand it because Lord knows I have enough of them. Uh, and 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 so I feel I feel a lot of compassion for for people who haven't who haven't spent their whole life self-analyzing like I have and, and constantly second guessing um, because right now is a time when that's actually a strength. Uh, and yeah, to be thrust into the situation with, without those tools or with, or maybe without just the experience of using them on a day-to-day basis, I think could be really, it's, it's gotta be really jarring. And, and, and uh, to anybody who's listening, who, who's really struggling right now, like I get it. And, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, if, if ever there was a time in history that showed us that we are completely lacking in control, it's, mm-hmm. it's right now. We don't have control of anything. Not even information. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a tough one. Uh, all too often before when I was out of control, I would self-analyze and just beat myself up and I'm like, well, I don't want to feel these feelings right now. I got to find a way to not feel so many feelings Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that immediately would lead to overeating or smoking or drinking or something. And now Mm -hmm. spending money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Online shopping was so available now. Yeah. Uh, but now I, I'm in a better place where I just I can accept the fact that I don't have control of that. I I'm a, just a surfboard on the wave, man. I can I can kind of guide where I'm going, but I have no control over where that wave is going to take me. Yeah. So yeah, I just have to accept the control that I have and and forego the stuff that I don't. And that's the only thing that helps now. It is, and it's so impossible to take that position when you're under financial burden. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The less money you have, the less, the, the, even less control you have. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It is interesting too. Uh, um, in my hobby, it was always easy to just spend money. So when a when a flight controller would die or I burn up a motor, uh, it's just get a new one in next day, pop it on and fly. But when China shut down, all of those parts went away. Like we, the factories were shut down. They weren't making spare parts, and it's not a big industry. So the reserves went up pretty quickly, and suddenly I couldn't find motors or frames for my little drone that I fly every day. And I had to get start getting creative. Um, and, and I've created like splints for my frames because I break them all the time. And so now I'm, I'm using old frames and splinting them onto new frames in order to make them stronger and keep them going for longer. Or the other day, I, I literally was, was soldering on the windings of a brushless motor in order to, to repair it. And then I just put a bunch of JB weld on there and it seems to be working. And I'm, I'm flying. It's it's like an old jalopy from from the 1950s. It's being held together with uh, baling wire and, and duct tape, you know. But it still flies, and and I've gotten enormous satisfaction from finding ways to make to make that stuff work. Uh, 
and and so actually being forced to accommodate these uh, 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 the lack of of access to the the parts has actually led me to new innovations in in the way that I handled my equipment. Um, and I I think maybe in our industry we might start looking at that as well. It, like how can we how can we make the lights last longer? How can yeah. we you know do we really need new console hardware every 10 years? Um, and I expect the answer is probably yes, on, you know, on some level, but, yeah. but I do think there are some, some inefficiencies that we can be looking at uh, that could offer a lot of problem-solving opportunities for, for people in the industry. Um, I don't know. It's a bunch uh, of movie, isn't it? <laughs> no, that, that, that's, uh, that's profound. It's kind of a greater analogy for you know what uh, our culture has become. We're just so consumer, yeah. Driven. We just uh, just consume, consume, consume. If it's broken, replace it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, yes. Or or if it's if there's an improvement to be made, throw away the old thing and build something new, rather right. than create a modification for the old thing to make it better. Yeah. Um, I have this 3D printer and, and I actually haven't been doing a lot of this, but these are those, you know, the ear saver things for surgical masks. And, oh, very nice. Um, and I got this printer about what, seven weeks ago, six, seven weeks ago. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was $239 at the time. Now it costs $210. Uh, I had no idea it was as cheap to get into it, but suddenly I realized Anything I can draw in Vectorworks within the build area of this thing, I can print. Exciting. And it's just, oh, the ideas just started exploding of, oh, wow, widgets galore. Um, yeah, I've, I've come up with a lot of really interesting little things. I, I made a pencil holder, a pencil tray for my daughter's uh, new desk. She's starting kindergarten. And uh, I designed this pencil tray in Vectorworks and I put her name on it and cut some hearts out and stuff. And everybody who sees it is like, oh, how did you do this? I'm like, I don't know. I, I use drafting software every day. Like I just, now I can bring it into reality without having to have a, you know, a five rental companies and a crew of a hundred people involved. <laughs> so, so I'm getting some of that satisfaction of like design and create and, and, and bring something into the world. Uh, even though I'm not, I'm not getting a paycheck for it, but, but it's, it's definitely uh, scratching that itch. Um, and, and, but, but to back to, back to this, like this is, this is a simple modification to an ex to add on to an existing thing to make it better. Um, for people listening, he's holding up uh, some oh, sorry, yes, yeah. uh, ear savers that basically just like a small strap where instead of hooking to your ears, it looks like it hooks to these two little tabs, which looks, uh, it's amazing, especially for people wearing masks eight hours a day. They, mm -hmm. they were, you know, don't want to day. My wife is an occupational therapist in the school system uh, here. And she's got to be in uh, four different schools starting Friday. Okay. Uh, five days a week, full time. And yeah, we're, we're very concerned about her PPE and, and, and how she's, you know, because she's going to be exposed to a much greater, you know, several different biomes over the course of the week. So it's, it's of the utmost important to us to make sure that she's taking the, the, the best precautions. And so, yeah, we've been looking for the ways to make you know, the mask as comfortable as possible. And in fact, that design I showed you is not my favorite, not her favorite either. We got more, there's more of a halo design that we found that's really comfortable. And, and, uh, and so that's what I've been working on, but 
yeah, uh, you know, that's my thing, problem solving. That's what gives me my joy. I think others, others have different focus and, and different things and, and finding what that is and then finding a way to get that without having to be at work, I think is super important right now and, until we can move forward. Uh, otherwise, we are just all going to go crazy. Let's, uh, let's do everything we can to avoid uh, any more people going crazy than absolutely necessary. I know. I know. It, it's, it's tough in our industry to tell who's crazy and who's just eccentric because that's yeah. part yeah. of what we're supposed to do. It's, uh, it's hard to tell who's working really hard and who's working to outrun the pain, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's interesting. I, I'm very, uh, I'm guilty of it. I used to just work to outrun my feelings. Cause I just didn't, if, if I stopped working, I would have to sit and reflect and I didn't want to do that. Mm-mm. And now, now there's no other option, but, but to sit and reflect. So there's a comfort in that. Yeah. I, I, I've found it. I, I yeah. have to, we have, we all have to one way. Yeah, or it's, it's not your fault. And, and for me, that's like, that's key. It's that not my key. fault. So I have to beat myself up over this. There's uh, nothing I could have done differently. Nothing yep. you could have done differently. Yep. You know, and I could uh, go back and be a man. I wish I'd been smarter with this and then I wouldn't be having to think about that or whatever. But at the end of the day, like it wasn't my fault. The only thing I could do differently is I would go back to Wuhan and find whoever's <laughs> chopping up the pangolins and the bats and say, Hey, could you guys please not do that? And I mask. <laughs> yeah, if you guys could just not chop up that pangolin, please. Uh, that one, yeah. that one right there. Please it don't shows, chop that one up. It's gonna happen. It was yeah. going to happen. They've been saying it forever, and and here it is. And we've seen it happen in other countries before. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I just think we're going to get good at handling this. We're humans. We evolve. We adapt. And clearly. And, and I don't know when a vaccine's coming. I don't know when the end of this is coming. And, and I choose not to try to predict that because yeah. I think in that, that way, madness lies. Um, there was a, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mangle this quote, but I did hear someone uh, who had been a prisoner of war talking about their experience and, and watching the people around them who were also prisoners of war. I believe this was in Vietnam. It may have been the Hanoi Hilton. I'm not sure, though. Um, and I'm I'm showing my lack of information here, so I apologize to anybody who is an expert on this or has experience in it because I I'm mangling this absolutely. But ultimately, the 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 point of of the quote was that he, he said the, the the people who didn't survive, the people who lost their minds, were the ones who kept looking for an end date, the ones who kept saying, you know. I just got to make it to Halloween. Just got to make it to Christmas. Just got to make it to Easter. And, and I think that for whatever reason, like if you're putting that deadline on these things that you can't control, you're just creating, you're creating an opportunity for more disappointment, more failure, more pain. Um, Just accepting the situation and, obviously doing the things you need to do in order to respond to the situation and be prepared for when the situation's over, but just going, you know what? Okay. If this does last for five years, I got to make sure that I'm in the right headspace for that now. 
Yeah. Because if I'm not now, when, when am I going to get in the headspace for that? In a year, in three years, by that time I'll be out of my mind. Yeah. And that's, so I thought that was profound that, that, you know, the people who keep setting dates and keep looking forward to, oh, it's going to be over at this time, or it's got to be done by, you know, it's, it's a fool's errand. That's the, the black and white thinking that will get people to go insane. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You can't fit it in a box. It won't mm-hmm. fit and uh, keep trying to shove it in there and it won't. It just won't. Yep. It won't fit in there. Yeah, you cannot contain the world. It's, <laughs> it's going to do no. its thing. I, I think the best, I think we, I think we hit the, the nail on the head very early in this one. I think this all sucks. And yes. uh, the best we can do is try and find things that suck a little bit less and, and grasp onto those things. I agree. So I think that, I think that's a great way to end this one. So thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I hope that we haven't been too doom and gloomy. I hope this <laughs> has been a, a look into the, the real uh, opinions of two lighting people who are uh, kind of going through the, the same shit as everybody else is right now. But yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Uh, this is, once again, it's been enjoyable and, and, you know, I, I, I feel like I should say like, I'm not unhappy yeah. right now. I, and, I, and, I share that with you. I'm, I'm yeah. less unhappy than when I started this precisely an hour ago. Precisely. And not that I was unhappy. I was just not on top yeah. of it. I was not, I was definitely not on cloud nine before and I'm not now, but I'm not, mm-hmm. not a bad place. I'm, I'm certainly happier than I was on my last day of work in March my, you know, stage work, I do have some other little things happening right now, but, but, uh, it's not sustainable. Um, and yeah, that I, I, I like to analyze these things and talk about how, how awful some things are, but at the end of the day, that you know, recognizing, naming something, pointing at it and saying, I'm going to think about this is, yeah. is what leads us to, uh, closure yep. and, and, uh, some kind of peace. I agree. Anybody who listened this far, I I appreciate you and I hope you're doing okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Seth. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Take care.